pythons, guillotines, stage blood. Alice Cooper is widely considered the godfather of shock rock. Thanks to his inventive concoction of vaudeville horror film conceits and three-chord rock and roll. In Alice Cooper at 75, the new book by veteran rock journalist Gary Graff, Gary shows you this rock icon through the lens of 75 career accomplishments, events, and partnerships. Every page is illustrated with stunning, and I mean stunning, concert and candid offstage photography, as well as gig posters, vinyl record sleeves, ticket stubs, period ads, and more. Bonus material includes a deluxe slipcase, a gatefold timeline, two pull-out posters, and an unpublished 8 by 10 The result is a unique and lavishly produced celebration of the iconic and beloved rock star. Gary Graff is an award-winning music journalist based in Detroit. He is a regular contributor to Billboard, the Cleveland Plain Dealer, Media News Group, Ultimate Classic Rock, Consequence, and other publications, as well as to radio stations. He is the co-author of Neil Young, Long May You Run, Rock and Roll Myths, The True Stories Behind the Most Famous Legends, and Traveling Man, On the Road and Behind the Scenes with Bob Seger. Also, he was the editor of The Ties That Bind, Bruce Springsteen, A to E to Z, and the series editor of the Music Hound Essential Album Guides. He is also co-founder and co-producer and hard at work of the Emmy Award-winning Detroit Music Awards. Graf lives in Beverly Hills, Michigan. Happy to have old friend Gary Graf join me now. Gary, welcome. Steve, thank you very much. Good to hear you, your voice again, too. Thank you. So, wh- first off, why this book on Alice Cooper for you? you know, this, is the, this is the third book I've done with the same publishing company. They did the Neil Young book and the Rock Miss book, and they began this new At 75 series. The first one was David Bowie, and then they did an Elton John book. Alice was third up, and they came to me because, you know, I'm here in Detroit Rock City, which is Alice Cooper ground zero this is where he was born and where the where the career actually took off from and they also knew that i had you know been interviewing him for decades and you know have a friendship with him and a lot of familiarity with it so i love love the concept that they're doing with this series and and it was a great way to write to you know when putting the book together it's important to note this is not an authorized biography right Correct. Now, Alice and his camp had had nothing to do with it. Uh, They were, I would say, tacitly supportive in that if I needed a fact check or something, they would help. But they, you know, it's not something they have anything to do with. So what has been your relationship with Alice? How did it all start? Uh, it really, well, it started as a fan, you know, back in the 70s, like, like so many others. I was the adolescent and then teen looking for my own music, I had the hippie brother who introduced me to a lot of great music and, of course, to the counterculture. But I think we all got to a point where, okay, that was theirs. What's ours? And then you had this act come along, Alice Cooper, that was doing things that my parents hated and my older brother and his friends, the hippies, they hated. And so, hey, that's mine. You know, I want that. You know, it can be my own music. And that happened with Led Zeppelin, too, although not so much the the hated part, but it was something that the generation before me didn't necessarily tune into. So I started as a fan, and then I was in a position as a 
professional, you know, working music journalist at a daily newspaper when Alice had his comeback in 1986. And they began that comeback in Michigan uh, with a week of shows culminating with a, a big arena show that was broadcast on MTV. And that was the first time I spoke with him that I met his manager, Shep Gordon, his uh, other manager, Toby Mamus, and you know, we, Detroit was very important to them, and we all just kind of, kind of connected. And it was the beginning of talking to Alice at least once a year since 1986. Uh, you do the math. I'm a writer, and I became a writer not to do math. So it's been it's been a lot of years, and you know, doing you know, and also doing things. I've been lucky enough played a little golf with him over the years. I moderated a Q and A with him at the Motor City Comic Con. This past fall, um, ushered his mother. I was in charge of his mother at, a, at one of the concerts here, getting her safely to and from the soundboard during the show. So, mm-hmm. so it, it's you know gotten to know all the family members, and it's 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 been a very nice and certainly insightful relationship. I want to go back to 1986, Gary, and the significance of that comeback. Now, the music landscape at the time, of course, it's all hair bands exploding, Bon Jovi, Def Leppard at the time. What was the significance of that comeback in 86 for Alice? Well, a great, you know, a great significance on a number of levels. First of all, he had nearly killed himself with drugs and alcohol, and he had cleaned up, gotten sober, and was ready to take on the music world again and had a little bit of chip on his shoulder because during his absence, like you say, the, the not just the hair metal bands, but the very beginnings of the thrash metal uh, movement. And he was hearing all these bands that were playing a hard rock that certainly drew something from vintage Alice Cooper. And he even saw in, in the hair metal movement some of the look and theatrics of vintage Alice Cooper. So he came ready to show the world what the real thing was again. And that, you know, there was a, he was really fueled by that sense of mission and he came hard and heavy and bloody, you know, ready, ready to, uh, you know, to make his case and to, you know, to kind of let, remind everybody about where so much of this music came from. We're chatting with Gary Graff. His new book is Alice Cooper. At 75, Alice, of course, uh, celebrated his 75th birthday earlier this month. What was the influence of growing up in Detroit on him? I think I think that was on a number of levels, too. One, I think you grow up anywhere in the Midwest, if it's Detroit or Cleveland or, you know, Buffalo or Chicago, and you get this Midwest blue-collar ethic. You understand that work is important and work should be done well. And he certainly had that example within his family. And then it was also his introduction to the to popular culture, you know, which at the time was early TV, soupy sales on the radio, you know, getting indoctrinated to a little bit of high art, a little bit of kish, kitsch, sorry, and, you know, a lot of background that he would then take with him when the family moved first to California and then to the Phoenix area in Arizona, but he would never he would never lose that kind of foundation that he got here during his first, the first 10, 11 years of his life. I mean, people forget Alice was on Hollywood Squares, The Muppet Show, and then Wayne's World, too, in the 90s. My favorite thing, Steve, to write about in this book was the places where you would never expect Alice yeah. Cooper. 
uh, to be, you know, you know, you say the Snoop Sisters, the Muppet Show, the Hollywood Squares. Um, now, you know, we see them in all sorts of commercial staples, uh, progressive insurance, and, you know, and whatever else. And it was interesting that the people who got Alice Cooper, the people in the adult mainstream that got Alice Cooper were, surprisingly but not surprisingly, the guys in the Friars Club, Jack Benny, Milton Berle, um, Bob Hope, all these, Dean Martin, all these, like, old-school comedians. They understood that what Alice Cooper was doing was basically a 70s incarnate of the vaudeville and the, you know, the kind of entertainment they came up doing. Alice has told me on a couple occasions that George Burns used to say to him, yeah, me and Gracie, you know, back in 23, we were out there with some guy who had a guillotine and cut his head off. <laughs> you know, so they got it, you know, and they understood Alice Cooper as entertainment when, you know, other people of their age and the popular mainstream at the time in 71, 72, 73, you know, he was public enemy number one. You know, they were, they were scared of him. But these other guys, they got it. So that, that's a lot of fun to look at, at his life and career and say, wow, this guy who was reviled, you know, was actually all over the place and really insinuated himself and has insinuated him, himself into the fabric of our popular culture. How was Cooper as a songwriter? I, I think that's the, the under appreciated aspect of Alice Cooper, both the band and the man, because it Alice Cooper was initially the name of a band. And not surprisingly be the singer became Alice Cooper, uh, the man. But they were that they were extremely underrated and it was eclipsed by the stage show. You know, people wanted to talk about the guillotine and the hacked up baby dolls and the snakes and everything else. But they were writing really good songs, and not just really good rock and roll songs. They were writing really good vaudeville songs on on some of the albums, too. But, you know, key to Alice Cooper's continuing relevance is that he and they, the band, wrote not one but two generational anthems, and I'm 18 and school's out. Two songs that will always resonate and therefore will always be played. And for a band to have one of those is a great achievement. Not many bands get to do that. But to have two and to have, you know, in schools out, you have one that is played from, you know, every year from April into June. And then I'm 18. You know, I like the way I like to view I'm 18 is that smelled like teen spirit before the guys in Nirvana were born. He never stops working and touring. He's working on what, like three projects right now, three albums? That's what he says. You know, he says he's, he has three albums he's at work with, with Bob Ezrin, his longtime producer. Um, he says they're not, they're not going to be like the last one, which was Detroit Songs, which had a real thematic spirit to it. It wasn't a concept album, but it had a thematic spirit to it. Um, he, is, he is still, he, and he has, for more than a decade now, he's been back to writing and doing some recording, and even limited live performing with the original band members who are still alive. And, you know, I think, Steve, that's what keeps Alice Cooper alive and, you know, relevant, too, is that he, he does keep performing. I think even if his audience doesn't buy the albums, you know, at, at the same level they bought Billion Dollar Babies or Schools Out or Love It to Death, they do understand and respect that he remains a creative force, that he's not just going out, playing the hits, get, you know, cutting his head off yet again. 
he is actually he's actually out there still creating new music and i think that makes that makes a real difference from you know when you see other bands that are out there you know just kind of flogging the old hits you know year in and year out yeah and speaking of out there he just announced a tour with rob zombie uh the closest they're coming here to Asheville, by the way is raleigh at the coastal credit union music park at walnut creek on august 29th bunch of dates into uh through the end of uh, september ending uh uh, close to home in Phoenix, Arizona, on September twenty fourth. Gary, yeah, those, d- those, those guys have gone out before. He is, you know, Rob Zombie is is one of the acolytes of Alice, and he actually inducted them into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Does he enjoy being Alice Cooper today at seventy five? I think he enjoys being Alice Cooper more today mm. than he ever has in his life. Primarily because when he got clean he was able to create a real separation between that Alice Cooper we see for 80, 90 minutes on stage and the Alice Cooper who lives the other 22 and a half hours a day. You know, he, he did let the character take over his life to a degree. And then once he became sober, that Alice exists only on the stage. You know, that's, that's when we see him. The other 22 and a half hours of, of the day, he's playing golf, he's shopping, which he likes to do. He's doing the good work that he does in the Phoenix area with the, with the Solid Rock Foundation mm-hmm. for youth and, and the youth centers that he and his wife have built and operate out there. And, you know, being a family guy and, and then, you, you know, put him on, on stage. And he is a more ferocious version of Alice Cooper than I think we saw back in 1972 or 73. You knew him well going into this project. Did anything, as you went back through stuff, maybe notes you had, did anything surprise you about him? I think I was reminded of things, uh, reminded of things I had forgotten I'd forgotten about. <laughs> so, and most, mostly very detailed things about, you know, something that may have inspired a song or something, you know, that, that transpired during the making of the album or you know, specifics about being on being on the Muppet Show or meeting Elvis Presley and the some of the crazy things that happened during that meeting. So there was nothing that that it was like, oh, I didn't know that, primarily because Alice himself has been an open book and he he shared so many stories about his career and listen, the darkest thing he went through was the drug and alcohol addiction and he has spoken about that at length. So there really wasn't wasn't a lot to uncover, but there were there were some fun details to to unearth and then make part of the book. Now he left Detroit when he was ten, uh, ten eleven, and the family moved west and then uh, settled in Arizona, where he lives now. Correct. Yeah, yeah, and that's where he met the guys in the band. Uh, primarily, you know, the, the first one was Dennis Dunaway, the bass player. Uh, and they shared an interest in a lot of things, you know, including rock and roll, but also surrealism. And definitely when you look at what Alice Cooper was doing at the very beginning of, of the band's career and then went on to do a great, great influence of surrealist art on that, as well as the British invasion of rock and roll. So it really was the combination of those two things. If you, if you had to wrap up Alice Cooper in a nutshell, though that's the combination, you know, surrealist art, Dadaism, and the British invasion. And it, just, and it kind of went from there. So I was reading, Gary, that you had to uh, do this entire, what, 75-chapter book in five months or less? 
it was about five months that I that I worked on it. It was maybe six six and a half months from the first discussions about the book. But you know, you obviously you don't put the pedal down and start writing until the ink's dry on the contract, and you know what's going on. But I know that doesn't sound like a lot of time, but if you're disciplined, and what I did, my discipline was. I made sure that every day I wrote a chapter of the book or at least got the outline of a chapter done. And, you know, 75 days is, that's plenty of, you know, when, when you do that, that leaves you plenty of time to revise the chapters, review them. And it, it's, it's all about book, write, book writing more than anything else, other kind of writing, is, is all about, you know, discipline. you got to get in your groove and and not give yourself an excuse to get out of the groove. Yeah, and you're used to working on deadlines, too, your whole career, pretty much. So, Right, and it's nice to have a deadline that's actually weeks ahead rather than in an hour. <laughs> yes. So what is next for you and your writing? Um, you know, there's a lot of, still a lot of uh, day, daily journalism. Um, I'm actually, even as we speak, I, you know, working on the 50 facts about dark side of Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. And yes. That 50th anniversary is coming up. There are some book ideas out there um, for a next book that, you know, maybe may something in this At 75 series again, maybe something else. That's, you know, that's, that's to be determined. And you can read Gary's work all over the place, uh, concert reviews, album reviews, ultimateclassicrock.com, the Oakland Press, uh, Billboard occasionally. You're all over the place. Yeah, and I, refer, I often refer people to, if Twitter's not too weird for you, you know, graph on music on Twitter is where everything tends to show up. And what would you like readers to take away from this fantastic book? I, I hope they get an appreciation for what a well-rounded you know, person Alice Cooper is and what that, what that well-rounding means for him as the artist, for the Alice Cooper uh, we see on stage and hear on record, you know, a sense that everything, everything in, he's gone through in his life that he, he then channels in, into his music. And also I hope people get out of it that he is a, he's a really good guy. Um, he, you know, we delve into his spirituality in in the book, and one of the things I do respect about him a great deal is he talks his talk a lot louder than he walks his walk. Um, excuse me, I said that wrong. He walks his walk a lot louder than he talks his talk. He does good things. He doesn't talk about he doing good things, and he doesn't proselytize. He just does the good things, and that's you know, and that's wonderful. You know, I can you can only respect that. Uh, how was it narrowing down uh, the photos to select these that are included in this book? That's fortunately not what I had to do. <laughs> um, they they kept me posted of it to a degree, and certainly if there was an image I wanted, right. You know, we we communicated about that, but they have. You know, one of the reasons I am this is three books with this publisher is they produce beautiful books. Yeah, and so it's just a pleasure to have these books arrive. <laughs> you know, and and see what they did with them. Yeah, it's just great. It is uh, Alice Cooper at seventy five. The author is Gary Graff. Gary, thank you for joining me. Well, Steve, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate the support, and we miss you up here. Thank you. And this is Speaking of Writers.